Hello and welcome to Watkins Wise Words, a podcast that celebrates conscious, passionate, wise and happy living. Thank you for tuning in and here is your host. So hello and welcome, my name's Steve Nabell and today I'm speaking with Rose Elliott on her book I Met a Monk. Now Rose is a very respected vegetarian cookery writer. Um, she was awarded an MBE for services to vegetarian cookery. She was brought up in a spiritual environment. Her, her grandmother, Grace, was a medium for White Eagle and founded the White Eagle Lodge based on his teachings. Some years ago, Rose heard a Buddhist monk speak about the Four no- Noble Truths and that you could write everything you need to know about Buddhism on the back of a postcard. This inspired her uh, meditation practice of writing and her interest in Buddhism. So, um, um, Rose is the author of I Met a Monk, and uh, uh, Rose, welcome to you. Thank you very much. So, Rose, um, there's a whole fascinating story about how a monk came to your house. Can you kind of just tell us all about that? Well, what happened was my husband was going through quite a challenging time, and uh, he heard about a monastery, which was uh, not very far from our home, and decided to go and visit it, a Buddhist monastery, and see if he could find some peace through learning to meditate. And he did do that. He found it incredibly helpful, and he started to meditate regularly at home. And one day he wondered whether we could have a retreat in our home in which the monk would come and talk to help other people to learn how to meditate. And I said, that's fine, we'll we'll do it. I wasn't very interested myself because I had had so much religion although it was unconventional religion when I was growing up, but I really didn't want to get involved in anything at all religious, but I did it because I knew it would mean a lot to my husband. Mm. So um, the monk came to our house. I was quite shy about greeting him, but he was so warm and kind, and he gave a wonderful series of talks on how to be mindful. But one of the things that really stuck in my mind from the very beginning was when he said Buddhism is so simple all you need to know can be written on the back of a postcard and I thought my goodness how amazing I would like to know about this religion which can be so simply portrayed actually he as he explained they don't necessarily call it a religion. There are many things about Buddhism which aren't actually like a normal religion. So I didn't feel I was getting involved in anything that was going to be too constraining. And so I started to really listen to the monk and uh, learn a bit about Buddhism. So a mindfulness meditation, for what I understand, you don't even need to be Buddhist to practice it. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. You don't have to be any religion. You, you, you just need to be a human being who wants to find who wants to find their own inner strength and peace, really. And I mean, honestly, who doesn't in this noisy world we live in? Yeah. If, you can, if you can breathe, Steve, you can learn to be mindful. It's as simple as that. So what, can you just explain what is mindfulness meditation? Yes. Let's start with what mindfulness itself is. Yeah. Mindfulness means being really awake and aware of what is happening at this present moment. You know, we sort of drift through life, we're, we're looking at one thing, we're thinking about another, where there's noise in the background, and we very rarely focus on absolutely what is happening for us at this present moment. Mm. 
I mean, we can do it now. Just be aware of your body. Feel your body. Mm. Sense it. Is it tense? Are your feet sort of steady? Are they on the ground? And then you just take a breath. And as you take the breath, you notice the air going in through your nose. You feel it going down into your lungs just as much as you can. It's not, you know, you, it's exactly what you're feeling, not mm. what you think you should feel or what other people are feeling. It's what is happening to you now. And you do it, and just focusing on the breath immediately brings a feeling of peace. It's extraordinary. Mm. And then, you know, you, the more you do it, Steve, the easier and better it gets. And you can do it throughout the day. Once I started doing it, I mean, I found all sorts of different occasions, like when I was in traffic and I was held up at traffic lights and I'd feel a bit irritated, and I'd think, no, mindfulness, and I'd take a mindfulness breath. Mm. And the more you do it, the more you think about it in your in your normal life, the easier and um, more natural it gets. Oh. Mm. It's it's fantastic, Steve. When you talk about meditation, yes, that is just what I call joined up mindfulness. It's just doing moment after moment after moment of mindfulness, sitting peacefully and breathing and being here now, just noticing what's going on at this very moment. Oh. It's um, it was amazing because while you were talking th through that, I started to do the pr the practice, and my Ooh. mind kind of started to go blank. <laughs> <laughs> this would be a great interview, won't it? <laughs> Only joking. Well, yeah. I'm so pleased. I'm so pleased, and that's what can happen to anybody. We yeah. can all do it, and whatever it, our religion, whatever our beliefs, mindfulness is for us. I have done mindfulness meditation. I used to go to a local Buddhist center. I did it for nearly a year. And I found it a, a powerful thing to do. Do you think that when people do it regularly, it almost becomes like a hab habitual, that we become mindfulness by a habit, you know, by conditioning? I think it certainly helps. I think being human beings, we're easily distracted and we have to remember, we have to remind ourselves. When I started uh, doing the mindfulness, I found I could only do it for about a minute or two, you know, a few breaths. But the more I've done it, the more I've wanted to do an extended period when the monk first came, I didn't want to meditate for more than just a minute or two, mm. except in the group. You know, he took us through meditation. But, you know, since I've been practicing mindfulness, Steve, I've actually been wanting to meditate. And I now meditate 20 minutes night and morning. And it's the most beautiful, refreshing time of the day for me. It's really so helpful. Did you find at the beginning that your mind wanted to kind of do other things or you started to get restless? Or was there kind of resistance to the process at the beginning? Yes, very much so. That's why I didn't really force it on myself. I just thought to myself, I will do the mindfulness. In fact, the monk said we could start meditating with just a minute. We didn't have to sort of feel we had to do 20 minutes. He was so relaxed about it. So that was helpful. But um, it really is um, a case of, of doing it and then letting it grow, letting the practice grow. I think you have to be a little bit disciplined. You know, you have to make the intention that you do really want to be mindful and maybe learn to meditate in due course but you don't have to force yourself in my opinion well, from, a, from a Buddhist point of view Buddhism talks a lot about suffering could you just explain you know why do we suffer from that point of view yes I will there would be no Buddhism if the Buddha the one who, who brought us Buddhism hadn't been shocked by the sight of suffering he was brought up as a prince in a palace and because when he was born, his father was told that he was either going to be 
um, a very powerful ruler or, or a religious teacher, a wise teacher, um, his father was so shocked. He didn't want him to be a religious teacher, so he kept him right away from any form of suffering. But when um, the Buddha was old enough to get out, he escaped from the palace grounds and he went into the nearby town and he witnessed suffering. He was absolutely shocked to see sick people, beggars, suffering, old age and death. And he resolved that his life work <clears throat> would be discovering the cause of suffering and how it could be overcome. Hmm. He went off into the wilderness. He wandered around, he starved himself, he was trying to find ways out of suffering. And then when he exhausted pretty much everything, he sat down under a tree and resolved that he wouldn't move from under that tree until he had found the reason for suffering and the answer for it. And he, he sat there for hours, and as daybreak came, he was in a deep trance, but he got the Four Noble Truths. They just came to him, and they are, suffering is part of life, hmm. there's a cause of suffering, suffering can be ended, and there is a way of life that leads to the end of suffering. And it's, it's, that's called the Four Noble Truths. That's what Buddhism was founded on, and that's what the monk said could be written on the back of a postcard. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. And the way out of suffering is the uh, is it the eightfold path? This, this which is really a, a, a recipe for right living, isn't it? Exactly. There's, there are four parts to this thing, and the first three, suffering is part of life, is accepting that if we're human beings, suffering is inevitable. Yeah. And that is because what happens is, if we get attached to something, we love something, we want something, it will change. You can just get your life what you think is perfect, and then. We'll get older or someone will leave our life or our circumstances will change and it won't be perfect anymore. And so we will suffer if we've been attached to it being one particular way. Yeah. So we have to learn to, well, really be, be in the now, be in the present moment, accepting everything exactly as it is. It doesn't mean we can't enjoy life, Steve. It doesn't mean we can't plan for the future. But yes. what it means is we mustn't be attached to it. We must just... Um, we must just, what T.H. Eliot, Eliot said, to, what was it, to, oh, I can't remember the quote, never mind, we, <laughs> we've, got to, <laughs> we've got to accept, we've got to appreciate things, but not be attached to them, to care, yes. but not to care, that's what I was trying to think of, All right, yes, T.H. Yes. Eliot, Eliot said, to care and not to care, care and, and that is, care. that really sums it up, doesn't mean to say we can't have fun, and love things, and want things, but if, if that wanting and, and loving brings us pain, then we're attached to that particular thing and, it, and it will, we will suffer. Yeah, I think acceptance is a very radical thing, isn't it? Because uh, we mostly resist <clears throat> things we don't like. But in this, uh, this philosophy, it's kind of embracing even the most painful or difficult. And it has a very different experience. I have a very different experience when I've tried doing that. You know, whereas fighting kind of keeps the situation almost like locked in place in my mind and you know, and in, in, in the situation in the physical world as well. That's so true, Steve, because the opposite of wanting is not wanting. So, you know, we, we, go through, we can go through life wanting something or hating something, not wanting it, or wanting something to be different from how it is. So, you know, we're either wanting, we're not wanting, or we're in a, in a fantasy world wanting things to be different from how they are. Yeah. Um, but when we can accept them and embrace them, 
even the monk said to us, even say, welcome suffering. Because right. you're letting go of the resistance. That's hard to do, Steve, isn't yes, it? Yes, it's very hard to do. <laughs> if I, we I, get I, ourselves to... I think the yeah. Buddha was very much into, like, you know, the avo- you know, there's avoidance and grasping, isn't it? These two kinds... Was it avoidance, yes. grasping, and delusion? I think the three causes yes, of uh, suffering. Yes, it is. That, that's right. Or greed, hate, and delusion. There are different ways of putting... Either sort of craving, wanting it, or pushing it away, or being in a fantasy world and and wanting things to be different in a vague sort of deluded way. Yeah. So in that case, you, you, I, I guess that mindfulness would be very good for things like stress and anxiety. It is very good. There's been enormous research done on it. And I mean, it, it's, it's found to be incredibly helpful. Universities are studying it. Medical centers are studying it. That's why it's become so mainstream, really, because people realize, you know, just how helpful it can be. Yeah. And, you know, physical pain itself, do you, I mean, I've tried uh, mindfulness practice with physical pain. It's, it's, again, quite amazing because mostly physical pain, we try and, you know, get a pill and uh, get rid of it, don't we? Yes, we do. Yes, with physical pain, it's exactly the same, as you say. It's embracing it. It's sort of, you know, supposing you've, got a, a, you've, you've sprained your ankle and you've got a painful ankle, rather than hating it, resenting it, being angry with yourself for having tripped over. Um, if we can send love to it, or what the Buddhists call loving kindness, just think of that ankle in a loving way. Um, so send it light and love. It's amazing how that can really help. I mean, it may sound a bit wacky. Well, but not actually... to me. <laughs> oh, good, good, good. <laughs> actually, when people try it, they realise it isn't wacky anyway, because it really does help. I think it's the Louise Hay approach of kind of more loving your body, you know, affirming uh, your body Absolutely. rather than yeah. sending it kind of hateful thoughts. And I think the body also, you know, I responds. I, I kind of try and send my body love rather than sending it criticism. And in today's world, you know, so, so many people are into, um, I guess, maybe women particularly about their image and going, mm. oh, it's not quite right. Oh, I hate the way I look. You know, I know mm. so many women, even in my own family, that have this kind of thing. It's very, very hard to hear it. It's very hard to hear it. We, it. It's a very natural thing as human beings to criticise ourselves. The first thing is to be in the present moment, being mindful and accepting things exactly as they are at this present moment. So if we breathe and accept our body as it is, just love it, and then love it after that. Acceptance and then love. Honestly, it's like a magic potion it, yes. it can bring change. I mean, it can actually change your face, your shape. Not that we're trying to do that, but I mean, it, it's a magical, it is a magical thing. Louise Hay and many of the other New Age writers, I, I don't know whether she actually consciously got it from Buddhism, but it's actually pure Buddhist teaching, a lot of it. Right, right, right. So in your book, you've got a chapter called Living Mindfully. How do we kind of bring it into our daily lives, this practice? Well, you just you just do it, really. Um it's, I, th- I always think it's starting with the breath is a very good point because we breathe all the time. And if we can breathe, we can be mindful all the time. So just, just you know, bring it to your mind. Think, ah, oh, mm. breath, breathe. And then when you're doing that, you can do any action at the same time. You can, you can breathe and you can clean your teeth mindfully. You can... Um, as I said, when you're waiting for the traffic in the car, instead of being irritated or tense, you can you can breathe again and see a sense exactly how you're feeling. Just be in the moment. It's it's actually 
very easy once you start doing it. Uh, you can do it when you're eating. I mean, yes. um, macrobiotic monks do this. I mean, they chew and chew and chew and chew 40 or 100 times a mouthful. I've tried that, actually, and it's extraordinary how, how that brings peace and how much more you appreciate the food. Yes. I actually was thinking mindful eating was, is one of the most pleasurable things because rather than rushing through a meal or, you know, focusing on your mobile phone, it's actually a very different experience, isn't it? It really is. Not terribly sociable, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> In a monastery, they do it and they often have silent meals and, and they're so silent that you can't even knock a plate with your fork or, you know, if you make the slightest noise if you put a cup down on the table with a slight bang it's you know it just it, it really shatters the peace yeah that's something to practice too i'm not very good at any of that i have to say <laughs> but we live <laughs> in a world with, i mean it's constant chatter isn't it so actually a, a day of peace is, is quite wonderful or a few hours must be quite wonderful it's wonderful if you allow yourself that or even five minutes set the timer or as we were saying earlier a 20 minute period of actual meditation when you meditate, thoughts will come into your head. That that happens. Mm. But the thoughts are kind of above the mindfulness. You can almost sink into a deeper consciousness than the thoughts. Your mind can be chattering away, but your mind, but you can cl have a, find a clear space there, which is your mindfulness space. And then the mind will break in again, and you can just gently let the mind, let the thoughts go, and and get back to your mindfulness space. Brilliant. So some people say Buddhism is all about suffering, but actually Buddhism says a lot about happiness, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Um, the, the Buddha said, there's no path to happiness. Happiness is the path. Yeah. It's very, very joyful. Yeah. I, I, like you, I thought it was about suffering when I you know, first started it, but I've realised it's not. It's, it truly is a, a path to happiness. Brilliant. Oh, happiness, yes. Mm. Can you say something about the loving-kindness meditation, you know, metabhavna? You know, I think that's a beautiful practice to do. Yes. It's just a very simple practice of stilling your mind and then sending kindness to yourself, wishing yourself well. I've given it in the book. There's a whole, there's a whole chapter, actually, on, on the meta practice mm. because... Um, Actually, some, some monks were scared when they went into the forest and they said there were bandits there and they rushed back to the Buddha and he made them do the meta practice of loving kindness, breathing and sending kindness to them, wishing themselves well, health, peace. You can use whatever words you want. The words are in the book, but you, it's basically wishing yourself kindness and love and, and all, that all will be well. And you can do it after every meditation. You can do it whenever you feel afraid. Just say these words to yourself. And um, they bring a most beautiful energy. And they really, they really help. Brilliant. Well, Rose, it's been brilliant talking to you. Um, you've got this book, I Met a Monk, Eight Weeks to Happiness, Freedom and Peace by Rose Elliott, published by um, Watkins. Uh, a nice kind of, uh, what do you call it, eggshell, what do you call that colour, blue? <laughs> I can't it's, a, it's aqua, it's a very pale blue. It's a very pretty cover. I love the cover. Yes, yeah, so it's a lovely purple tree with silver writing. I met a monk. It's a beautiful book. Yes. Well, all Thanks. the best with the book, uh, Rose. Thank you so much. It's been lovely talking to you. Like what you've heard? Be part of our community by visiting watkinspublishing.com following us on Twitter at Watkins Wisdom or liking us on Facebook.